spidey senses tingling. He's ready to recant and tell the world that Doc Ock did indeed kill Massacre tonight on Paper Keg, episode 97. He's Slim, the host, the Paper Keg podcast. Never would I recant. Never. Because Spider-Man did not kill Massacre. Welcome to the show uh, where we talk about industry, Niz. The books we're reading, and we do a special book club every week. This week, we all read one book by Brian Wood. The Massive... Uh, and after the book club, we'll read your letters to close out the show. Your letters read live on the air, making you an instant celebrity. Uh, making his triumphant return to the show, Groupon Scientist. He uh, he's here for a short while while he leaves on his next expedition. He's an actor. He's a internet star. He is our black host, Mark Farrington. Welcome back. Also, you What's start to challenge word, his sleep schedule. He's like a cornered badger. He will just he will fight back tooth and nail. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> I tried to live on four hours of sleep like Batman does. Yo, that stuff is hard. Can't do it. It's not healthy. I can tell you that much right now. Even Jonesy's right. awful doctor could tell you that. Peak human condition, folks. Uh, that specimen speaking right now uh, is unpublished. He's never been published before in his life. Yep. But he's trying very hard. Maybe. Maybe he's trying hard. He's Jonesy Loves Beer. He's the least popular host in the history of the show. Welcome back. Thank you. Uh, the numbers ring true, and I am by far the worst. In fact, uh, we were just off air discussing our regular uh, JLB ball being sessions that go on right before we record. It's a travesty to my self-esteem. Nobody cares. Exactly. The most popular host, the inverse of Jonesy Loves Beer. He's a father. He's a family man. He has the biggest hardcover comic collection uh, in South Jersey. Uh, keep an eye out for Craigslist, everyone. I will be liquidating my assets very soon. Hardcover liquidation coming soon. Uh, VP of merch. That's just for show for his mortgage company. He's been called uh, the podcast bad boy. Uh, Dale underscore A, thanks for bringing some cred to this show. It is good to bring some cred to the show, and I enjoy my time with you guys, and I can't wait to talk comics this week. Mm -hmm. Three short days after talking comics just recently. <laughs> 
I feel like we're on a 24-hour recording schedule where we don't sleep and we just we're constantly recording and it never it never ends. There's no breaks. Well, you know, Mark's got groupons to obligations. <laughs> you know. He's got previous groupon engagements that he can he has to honor. And you know what? This is during the off season too. Softball starts soon too. Softball? Oh, Softball. Oh yeah. We're going to be forced called uh, to record at like Friday at 4 a.m. We might have to call in the the, the B hosts. We might have to get the <laughs> Seth Breed's loves and the the Don Garvey's on the yeah. show to replace you. Come on, we can't keep up with their recording schedule. <laughs> the Mike Connollys of the Echo Rift Radio Network. Well, How about formally... Mary Train, who recently no. told me she's coming down no. to Free Comic Book Day with me? What? Oh, you she's heard gonna it. be there all day, right. all day and Wait, all night with you or representing you, riding with me. This is this is unheard of. We haven't heard something like this since Jonesy told us that his wife and infant son were going to accompany him to a right. 12-hour event right. that leads into the <laughs> evening. Mar- I hope Mary Train, uh, Mrs. Beef, as she's been called on previous shows, is aware of what's going to happen that evening. She is fully informed. May 4th, free comic book day. We will be at the comic book shop in Delaware doing something. Do what do... Kissing babies... Uh, Jonesy will be hamming it up somehow, possibly intoxicated. I don't know if he's going to have trunk beers or what have you. Mm. Hopefully he doesn't mm. just breathe on 10-year-olds' mouths and intoxicate them. That might be the most inflammable thing you have ever <laughs> said on this show. <laughs> inflammable or inflammatory? What did I say? Inflammable. Uh, Thanks both, for being both here. Apply. Both apply right now. Jonesy will flap on the free comics like Chris Farley and Tommy Boy at the beginning. <laughs> 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 Or Matt Foley, he'll just flop now like wingy. Now, Mark, you you are missing in action. We talked about two books that were, I believe, your picks, and you were not present. I did not we pick had, Ultimate Spider Man. I did not want to read that. Let's let's go back in time because I want to hear from you. We read League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, uh, the Hard R edition, <laughs> where it was the very first volume. Did you read that? And what were your thoughts? I did read the league. I deleted my notes, so I'm going to wing most of this. Um, I thought it was good, not great. Part of the problem with it that I had was, obviously it was composed a lot of the Victorian era characters, but I thought they were more interesting in books that we read separately. Like Professor Moriarty was more interesting in the book that we read. What was that? Not the Six Gun, but somebody help me out. The Sherlock Holmes story, it was one of our book club books. Yeah, it was called Moriarty. That would explain it. Moriarty was more interesting there. The Dracula reference, or I didn't like the Dracula book club, so that one almost single-handedly invalidated my point. Bottom line, (laughs) I thought it was at least a decent book, but it's hard for me to get into Victorian era stuff. It was better than the movie. Um I don't know if I'd keep reading it. I had no real desire to keep going forward in the league history. Some of the writing made me laugh. I like the pornography references. Jonesy's eyes just popped up. <laughs> Jonesy's pants just popped up. Mm-hmm. Hey-o! Truth be told, I was a little disappointed, to be honest. Yeah. Wow. I think we all were. I mean, I was. I can't speak for everybody, but I will. He does What that. about... Uh, what about Ultimate Comic Spider-Man Volume 1, Miles Morales? Volume 2. Volume 2, Volume 1. Volume 2, I apologize. Volume 2, Volume 1. 
I will concede that it is decently written and it's okay. That being said, Bendis phoned it into me on that one. What? I absolutely disagree with that statement. No. He knocked it out of the park in Avengers, New Avengers, Uncanny X-Men, all new X-Men. But this, five issues in and it's just putzing and meandering. Exactly. The volume, the, the the bloom is off the Mark Farrington rose right now, I think, is what we can safely say. Yeah, I'm holding this. I think my problem with this volume compared to the original Ultimate Spider-Man Volume 1 is that I am comparing it to Ultimate Spider-Man 1. If you compare the first five issues, and Peter lost his uncle. He gained his webbing. He got the costume. He learned great power, great responsibility. What did Miles do in five issues? He got bit by the spider, and that's it. He bumbled his way into a fight against Electro and just happened to save the day because he was there. He didn't learn any lesson. And oh, by the way, 21 issues in, Miles still hasn't learned this lesson of great power and great responsibility. How can you be a Spider-Man and not know that? So, no, I can't rip this book for being bad. I'm ripping this book because of its place in the current run. Nothing's happened 21 issues later. But really... Do you think Spider-Man killed Massacre? <laughs> no, because we didn't see a body. Oh, boy. You're right, this Slim, is... because technically Peter Parker did not kill Massacre. I'm not. Jonesy's I listen, Jonesy. Finger. He's, look, look at that finger on his mouth. What is happening right Jonesy now? Jonesy loves semantics. It's like a breakfast sausage. I, I'm not getting into the nitty-gritty of who killed Massacre, because guys... He's still alive. <laughs> he is not dead. But we are running. We're quickly running out of time. We're running over. We're running over budget. What's happening in the news? Dale underscore a newsman. Well, um, not a whole lot of news in the past 24 hours since last talking about news. The 2013 Eisner nominations have hit the public scene. Okay. 25 years the Eisners have been around this year. And, uh, you know, we got some we got some good titles in there. We've, we've read a few of them. Uh, Fatal, Hawkeye, Manhattan Projects, Profit. That Profit, the best continuing series, I just read that for the first time. That's garbage. <laughs> what is that doing in these? <laughs> they must have read the first va- three issues. Alleged. Too. The, Dale does not the, speak for the uh, the host of Paper Keg. The Eisner panel has only read the first three issues as well, and that's fine. <laughs> that's the same mistake we all made. Uh, saga, best continuing series, and uh, you know, um, Eisners are a big deal. They are. They're the yeah. Oscars and Golden Globes of comics combined into one. So, you know, to be able to tout an Eisner-winning team or an Eisner-winning title in your stable books, I think, I mean, I think that does a pretty good job of uh, boosting sales, I would I would think. Jonesy, what's the Eisner version for fan fiction? Is there one, and how many awards have you won? Uh, I have won all of the awards because they take place in my den. Uh, they are called the Jonesies. And you just uh, you just go ahead and submit your work to Jonesy at paperkeg dot com, and uh, much like uh, the office, I'll have a little bar ceremony mm-hmm. where you must pay me drinks 
to award sure. you Jonesy's. You'll, you can give out the uh, shrunken Thundercat sword over your right shoulder there. <laughs> no, uh, he is no, also not the give sword itself, the... but definitely the sword in a photocopier, and then that single page will be yours. All right. Signed All right. by you. Did you really just name a, an award after yourself? Uh, would you have it any other way? Walked into that. Who's one? reading the Manhattan Projects? Dale, are you reading that book? I am only reading it in volumes. Volume two just got dropped digitally. I saw that at the Hard. comic book store today. Hard. Um, have you been reading the singles, Matthew? No, no. It's a. I need to accumulate maybe like fifteen issues of that book. Yeah. That's a book that I have no idea what's happening if I just read it month to month. Might as well just throw in the garbage <laughs> if I start that book after 30 days. <laughs> yeah, it's it's a tough pill to swallow if you're not taking big, just big binging, binges on it, you know? Mm-hmm. But uh, read in big chunks like that, amazing. Hmm. Amazing, okay. maybe. What's uh, any other standouts from the Eisners? Any notables before we uh, get into talk about what we read? Oh, boy. Um well, best writer, Brubes, Ed. Brubes. Brubes. Matt Fraction. Uh, Brandon mm. Graham of mul- Must Be for the Multiple Warheads project he's doing. Jonathan Hickman, Brian K. Vaughn, Frank M. Young for the Carter family. I haven't heard of that one. Never heard of Any, it. Any, uh, no? Is it a fanographics, John? Or some some graphic Abrams, novel-esque? Abrams, Abrams comic Abrams, okay. Interesting. They're in the app, right? The comics all. They are in the app. That is correct. Not sure what if we have their full <laughs> library necessarily. The uh, Hernandezes for best writer artist in Love and Rockets New Stories mm-hmm. Volume Five. Mm-hmm. Uh, David Aja, Becky Cloonan, Chris Somney. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> Will you oh, yeah. uh, free him from your basement long enough to accept that award that he's been nominated for? I will probably be under the table he's sitting at at the award ceremony <laughs> with wow. gouging him with a fork. <laughs> he's yeah. going to do like a satellite uh, phone-in acceptance speech. Yeah. I'm fine, guys. Thanks so much. Now, Dale will clutzily walk on stage and say that Chris Somney has allowed my, himself to accept the award. <laughs> Just look, he'll be sweating profusely, looking very nervous. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Oh, man, it's gonna be some great. kind of some kind of screwdriver, knife, shrapnel weapon <laughs> protruding from his hand, ready to strike at any moment. Uh, Dale, you're very creepy when it comes to Chris Somney. But what did you read this week, Mark Farrington? I'm still stunned by how alarmingly quick you put together that visual image of Dale stalking Chris Omni. <laughs> like, disturbingly quick, Matthew. <laughs> Nevertheless, I read Mega Man number 24, published what? by Archie Comics. No, 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 get this. Mega Man, the Blue Bomber, teams up with Sonic the Hedgehog. Worlds colliding, y'all. Part one. Dr. Wow. Wiley has gotten his head on a chaos emerald. And Dr. Eggman, Dr. Robotnik from Sonic, is looking for this emerald. He finds it in Wily's world. They team up, and they use that emerald to re-warp reality so that the Mega Man world and Sonic's world all have one shared history. And it's about them teaming up to not only take out their respective arch nemeses, but rule the world. Guys, this book could be my new Darkwing Duck. 
It's fun. <laughs> it's simple. Great art. Great story. Don't take itself too seriously, but at the same time has the conventions I love in my superhero comics. And half the fun in this book alone is watching all of these classic video game characters interact with each other. Like Sonic, no, with Wily and Robot Man. Robotnik, wow. Watching them argue over what to name their secret bases, what to name their creations. It is beautiful, y'all. Wow. Highly recommend this book. Anyone uh, else reading uh, Jonesy? You look like you had a lot to say on that one. No. Uh, is my favorite Mega Man character of all time the dog in it? Rush yes. is in it. That that was my favorite character, guys. Guys. What would happen if Darkwing Duck guest starred in that crossover, Mark? Oh, would you just Jay all over yourself and need to probably just hose yourself down? I would have to squeegee Jonesy's laptop. <laughs> oh, my. Because I couldn't be contained. Can we say that on the internet? I'm not sure. Why do you possible. have to read it in front of my laptop? That's my first question. <laughs> you said make myself at home. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I've Guy, I've been guys. away from this book for so long. It's great. Remember the pla- uh, remember the plastic film Mark had on his laptop? It's <laughs> <laughs> like curling at the edges because he wouldn't rip it off. Damn right, Mark I wouldn't. Farrington had maybe you still have it. It's like the it's like a 2007 HP laptop. <laughs> That at some point had plastic wrapping. Like, you know when you went to high school and you would put the plastic wrap on your books? Clear contact them? paper. Clear contact he had clear paper. contact paper on his laptop that looked like it was 30 years old and just <laughs> peeling from humidity in his basement. You know what? I never took it off when I got it back in 2009. And then everybody touches. they like, why do you still have that there? That's proving my point. If That's the why CDC, I still have it there. If the CDC saw it, they would blow it up. They would put like a, uh, like one of those like upside-down bowls on it and drill it to the ground and then explode it. Yeah. I think that's what they would do. Well, it's just preparing me for that inevitable Darkwing Duck crossover. Justice League 19. Guys, that's what I want to talk about right now. I'm taking my headphones off. I haven't read that yet. Just oh, wait when I can my listen. gosh, Mark. I'll, I can make it less spoilerific if you want. Yeah, could you? Yeah, please, I will. If you see me dramatically throwing out my headphones. I can, I'll talk about what's in the preview pages that that has hit USA Today, where everyone gets their comic news these days. Batman on the cover is killing Superman with kryptonite. I'm not sure if you've seen that. Wow. So that, that's that. fact that. that is on the internet. Um, can we talk about Ivan Rez on art? That guy is a superstar. Mark, what else has Ivan Reyes done? Did he do Flash or something? He did Blackest Night with Jeff Johns. Him and Jeff Johns are boys. Oh, yeah. He did Green Lantern's original run, the Hal Jordan run with, that Jeff brought him back. Um, Ethan Van Skiver did Flash Rebirth. Oh, maybe he did the new Aquaman, too. He did do the new Aquaman. New 52. So this guy is the real deal. This guy's a superstar. He's His art is fantastic. I read the preview pages... And it opens up in the Batcave with Red Hood and Alfred just chumming around like BFFs. Um, and they're like, you know, let's talk about Batman and stuff. And then this guy infiltrates the Batcave wearing a super sexy leather suit, very Batman-esque, wearing a mask. Takes them both down. Takes Alfred down like a punk. Takes Red Hood down because nobody cares about him. And then he goes into this secret lair inside the Batcave where Batman has briefcases nicely laid out 
with uh, the Wonder Woman logo on it, the Superman logo on one, etc., etc. Let's see where this is So this is, is the Tower of Babel for the new 52. Wow. Um, I mean, what kind of time does Batman put into making a briefcase with each member, team member's logo and on it? how convenient if you ever need to travel with it. It's already in a briefcase, a nice little handle. I mean, the, the, literally 10 Gotham citizens died while he's <laughs> yeah. burning those logos into briefcases. Guy's <laughs> a J-off. Well, he's had so, since a zero year to take care of everything. <laughs> I helped you make those briefcases, Mr. Wayne, since zero, yeah. The, uh, Mark, we should talk about that in the fireside as well. The, so this guy steals Superman's briefcase, and Batman eventually finds out. They have no trace of this guy, and Deanna and Clark are off gallivanting around the Middle East or some such, toppling, you know, corrupt leaders. And Batman uh, warps over there with the help of Cyborg, and he's like, we got a problem. Uh, they Someone went into the cave, and they didn't try to get at me. They tried to get at you, Superman. And Deanna, like, freaks out in the instant where he says this and wonders what he has that can hurt Clark. And um, essentially it wraps up after that. So it's Tower of Babel in the New 52, but there's no awesome scene where someone digs up his parents' corpses and, like, dangles them in front of him. Yet. <laughs> Yet. Yeah. Right. What did you think? Uh, I felt I felt like it was really rushed in the reveal of the, of what, like, he has Clark's kryptonite, but I feel like it could be a good arc. I just hope they don't rush into things too quick. I mean, the art is, is spectacular. He also reveals that he knows about Clark and uh, Deanna having a relationship because he's a detective. Sure, never forget that. Uh, show enough. But, you know, that's that. What about you, uh, Jonesy Loves Beer? What did you read? Uh, I read, I, I really want to talk about Superior Spider-Man 8, just get in your face. But <laughs> instead, I'll talk about Daredevil issue 25. I want to know if this run will ever peak because it can't possibly go any higher than this past issue. Did everyone here read it before I go I, on? No, nope. I did. I didn't, okay. but you can talk about it. The culmination of this mini arc where people have been experimented on to try to recreate Daredevil, uh, Daredevil's powers uh, finally comes to a head and Daredevil must face the end game, the one person they got right and uh, successfully gave Daredevil skills to. Uh, there are some of the best Somni action art I have ever seen in my entire life. And the craziest mini twist right at the end scene when they're fighting in that hardware store. And uh, you're really left uh, asking yourself, is Matt Murdock going to make it through this at the end? Uh, just heart-pounding action. Uh, Dale, I only wish that I could transport Chris Somney from your basement to mine. <laughs> this is just such a lovely issue. And you're stupid. You are dumb if you are not reading Mark Wade's Daredevil. It's hard. Like, your IQ is in the That's basement, harsh. is what oh I'm my. saying. Oh, my, wow. oh my word. <clears throat> 
I remember you being very skeptic about Mark Wade writing Daredevil two years ago when it first came out. Show me the yeah. tape. Jonesy, I mean, he, he does the eighth head turn. <laughs> <laughs> Mostly because it wasn't Bendis and Malik. Show me it. the tape. I, I mean, it, it probably did happen, and Jonesy probably took a big ass just like he did on All New X-Men that one time, and then did a total <laughs> 180 and like, guys, I'm just kidding, I'm back. I love this book. That's right. Let show me, me back tape. in the circle. All I'm saying is show me the tape. <laughs> I, that ending, the last panel is amazing. I hope they never stop doing Daredevil, and if they do stop doing Daredevil, they just do Indiana Jones, like <sighs> I suggested to Chris Somney, and then he did a sketch of Indiana Jones, thanks to me, and we all saw it on Instagram. <laughs> we, we did, did all see You're it. welcome. We You're did all see it. Does he just Internet. call you up? Like, I imagine he calls Slim up and was like, hey, Slim, I'm just sitting here in the bathtub thinking, you know, what could I do for the next comic? Mm-hmm. I actually... Such. I can't divulge details of my intimate relationships with dear friends, but (laughs) Dale underscore a, I really interested to hear what you read this week. I read a gem of a one shot aliens salvation. Dave Gibbons, Mike Mignola on art, Kevin Nolan, on inks. This came out in... Kevin Nolan. Oh, my God. That name rings a bell? I, a beautiful uh, bell for you? He, he drew um, some Wolverine stuff back in the day. He did the, mm. the, 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 the little corner box art. Oh, okay. <clears throat> this uh, came out in 1993. And it is about um, a crew on a vessel as... Many, many alien stories are. And most of the story is driven and told through a man's prayer to God. He uh, He's a God-fearing man, and he gets made fun of on the, the ship because of it. And uh, very quickly, things go south because their cargo starts busting out of the cargo hold. So the captain busts into the cafeteria and breaks uh, at, at gunpoint, escorts this God-fearing man, his, na- last, his name's Selkirk, into a, a, you know, a jettison escape, sure isn't Ryback? Es- escape pod. Don't interrupt me. Um, <laughs> and crash lands on this planet. And the captain is half-driven crazy. Because he was attacked by the xenomorph aliens, <clears throat> and the uh, Selkirk has to put him down because he fears for his own safety. Come to find out, the the ship itself did crash land on the planet, and no one made it. But as he's exploring the wilderness, he finds an alien queen laying eggs, and through um, through finding one of the well, the only remaining survivor is an android, Dean, who tells the story of the company, which is the Wayland yutani Corporation, probably, that basically the military wants to destroy all xenomorphs, obviously. But of course. Uh, Wayland yutani basically targeted this planet. It's way off in the far corner of the universe. Nobody would ever know about it. And the uh, they're shipping all the xenomorphs over there 
to basically set up like a living, breathing cache slash armory in case they ever need to get alien xenomorphs out again. So there's a queen there. They're shipping the remaining xenomorphs that they have there. And the crew was expendable if need be to help create xenomorphs. And basically they're going to let the xenomorphs take over the planet and uh, take over, you know, chest burst through all the living ape-like creatures and stuff like that. And um, basically it doesn't end very happily. The uh, Selkirk has to sacrifice, make sacrifices. But uh, hopefully he blows up the planet in the process? Question mark? Can I say that I love the word cachet? And I think mm. I need to use that in real world uh, instances. I think that's I, I think that's uh, I encourage that. Mm-hmm. But uh, Mike Mignola on this, I don't know. It just I mean it's very Mignola, but it's it's because of that. It's just gorgeous, and I say that for everything <laughs> I ever read. But it's is it's this, beautiful. Is this Dark Horse app, or did you pick this up at the at on the Amazon or in yeah, the shop? This is Dark Horse app. It's I think two ninety nine or three ninety nine one shot. Hmm. Definitely worth a read. The colors are very kind of like washed out and there's not a whole lot of color on a lot of the pages so when there is a use of color it just they just really stand out and uh, some of the splash pages there's one in particular that I'd like to show but it might not come across but that reminds me Mignola. oh yeah look at that I don't even know what I'm looking at but it's good Do you, that reminds me of your comment about the colors is I think we totally forgot, but you and I were talking about doing a Star Wars book for a book club, and it was that 90s Star Wars Empire, I think it was, or we couldn't remember what the title was. Shadows in the Empire? No. Um, it's in the Dark Horse app, and it'll probably take me forever to find oh, it. Oh, yeah, yeah. You, I remember. And the yeah. colors were just, like, gorgeous. They were, I don't know if it was just, like, 90s color where nobody cared, where someone cared a lot. I couldn't tell, but it just came off looking fantastic now reading it Mm -hmm. matt uh specifically matt hollingsworth on colors um but i i really i mean i've never read an aliens comic before and i probably maybe early on i would have not expressed any interest in it but it's that's actually very beautiful and I'd, i'd be interested in reading more alien side stories Two sentences or less, Mark Farrington, lightning round. Cable and X-Force number seven by Dennis Hopeless and Salvador LaRocca. Cyclops from the Uncanny X-Men stops by to have a chat with his son Cable. Nothing even remotely interesting other than that happened in this book. Invincible Universe number one. A fun spin-off from the Invincible title following the exploits of the creepy old man that controls Invincible's life. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Villains Krang This is one of the top 10 comic books that you will read this year. Stunningly beautiful and spine tingly, 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 
written. <laughs> Beautiful book. Fifteen Love, number one. A Marvel mini-series about tennis. Think Cool Runnings in a manga-style art. And you're with, reading Fifteen Love. With black people? I'm sorry. Question mark? People. That's a lightning <laughs> question. That's a lightning question. Uh, the Massive. Brian Wood. You might know him from DMZ. Conan. X-Men with Ladies. Coming out soon. Uh, Ultimate X-Men. Zero, Channel Zero, maybe. Northlanders. Northlanders. Um, John Z, what is this book about? (laughs) In recent history, perhaps over the last two years, the world has gone through some man-made, question mark, crashes around the globe, Uh, multiple instances of extreme weather, earthquakes, tsunamis, just multiple events that have left most land masses inhabitable. Governments have collapsed. The economies have collapsed. Humanity is barely holding on, but is still civilized, per se. Uh, Some of the safest places to be is on the open water. And that's where we find ourselves here, folks. Uh, with the crew of the Capitol, with a K, and they are a peaceful environmental activist group read by a former reformed uh, mercenary, a self-professed pacifist, uh, who leads an organization called the Ninth Wave. And they're out there just to see that nature is kept pure and that people stop bad practices in the midst of this terrible environmental crash. Uh, And the premise of the book is that their sister ship, the Massive, as it's called, which is a former shipping warehouse uh, ship, which has been modified to their cause, is gone missing and has been missing for weeks. And they're out in the open sea trying to survive and find it and avoid pirates and Sprinkled in is a lot of backstory told in flashback of the world before the crash. And much like Why the Last Man, will we ever really know what caused it? The Massive. (laughs) Jonesy just smoothly steps away from the microphone after his synopsis. (laughs) Thinking to himself, nailed it. (laughs) Mark Farrington. You know, this book is a dark horse book. This is out of your wheelhouse. I want to get a firm grasp on what you thought of Brian Wood's The Massive. That's going to be hard to give you because, truth be told, I don't know what I thought about it. I thought he was going to say he didn't read it. (laughs) (laughs) Jesse was ready to high-five himself if you had said that you didn't read it. Man. Somebody gift that. <laughs> People do that. They gift things. Uh, it's honestly when I read this book, 
All I could think of was how I felt when I watched Kevin Costner's Waterworld. I was bored and I was waiting for them to get to land. When they got to land, I found myself not caring. I think, honestly, obviously the premise of it being that it's safer to be on water, most of the book is going to take place on water. But I was bored through most of this book, to be honest with you. I had a hard time trying to follow what actually happened. I understood that it was told in flashbacks and in present, but I, to me, they weren't really smooth transitions, so I would kind of drift off, start reading a flashback, and then not know if I was reading the present. Honestly, guys, this book did not grip me. I didn't have any attachment to the characters. I didn't care about the story. I'm, I'm ripping it, and it's not a bad book in any way, shape, or form. I just wasn't engaged. I think Dale just crapped his pants. This is uh, this is me not tweeting Brian Wood to tell him that he <laughs> reviewed his book club. For book club. Uh, Maybe I should have went to Mark last. <laughs> but if I'm the minority, no pun intended, you're black. You can, obviously, <laughs> um, I'll be that. And I can't even say I hated it. It was just, guys, tell me what I missed. Why was this book I, so good? I greatly enjoyed i stopped after two issues because it was another book that i didn't want to read monthly even though on the reread he did a great job recapping the situation there was a he did like at least two panels where it would essentially explain to you what is happening and that's it that's all you needed which i thought was great i loved the art in the first arc mm. oh i love the art I, I enjoyed the art in the second arc but the donaldson character they're they reminded me of the pinups that GTA uses to promote their books and the cover art, which yes. I uh, absolutely adored. I love the art in the in that in the book, and the the backstory or the present story of that Mother Nature essentially just took a giant poo on us, and now the massive. Which, if you're trying, if you haven't read the book, and maybe this is a good or bad comparison, but. Whale wars, even though how annoying. <laughs> like I, I, maybe it's a bad comparison, but I compare it to the cast of Whale Wars. Like they're this, there's they're similar people. They're out on their own boats, uh, trying to stop whaling, and the the crew of the massive, you know, at one point does similar things where they went to go protest an oil rig, and they stayed there, and they're a peaceful kind of protest group. But eventually, after the world just dies and massive uh, events occur, like floodings and tsunamis and the the Arctic ice caps are flooding, they pretty much just stay out in the ocean and just go out and see... Like, I don't even know... I guess I was about to say what they're doing in the ocean, but they're, they're still looking for their missing mm-hmm. ship. Um, and it's just very interesting to me to see them go to port in certain areas like Hong Kong is almost completely submerged and they're building a temporary port uh, seeing the world as it would be in those circumstances was super interesting to me I enjoyed the hell out of that and them going into different scenarios where they needed fresh water which is now a commodity um, I, I, I really enjoyed reading it in trade form yeah, I think, I mean, t- what you were saying about reading how 
the world has reacted. It was just super, super ambitious and super creative to, it was like the, the plot of a well thought out movie because the, the creativity, I mean, behind the natural disasters that hap- that the world started going through and then the the not the recovery but the how cities and people adapted to it was just like beyond i don't know beyond imagination you know it was just super creative and almost read like factual and you know i don't know if there's any political anything political behind it or whatever i'm just but that just as the story itself and and the the way these natural disasters happened i mean the 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 way he described them were like was like they happened like you could almost believe that every one of these disasters happened because of the the detail that was involved in how he would recap you know each and every little disaster and how these disasters just dominoed on each other and the world just went to crap because of it crazy jonesy lay it on us right now post apocalyptic books i think i have a tendency to quickly spiral out of control and they have certain hang-ups where the writer may want to just straight up world build and just give you all this cool stuff they thought of of how the world would go uh, after civilization collapses and for me as a reader i shy away from those type of stories brian wood takes the genre and reinvents it totally he never once deviates from we need to find the massive it's the title it's the goal of the book is in the title mm-hmm. and the only way he gives us a variety of stories is to give the crew short-term goals but they never once lose the sight of our goal is to find our sister ship and make sure they're okay so when i read things like when i read the breaks like it seems like he stops to take a breath of uh, fresh air telling the main story and that's when he goes into the the fact uh, statements about the uh, the end of the world as we know it, they're, they become more poignant to me. Uh, they're not lost in the shuffle. Like one I can think of clearly is um, how in North Africa or sub-Saharan Africa they said that once uh, diamonds were caused all the con- conflict and death in the area, now a life is only worth five gallons of fresh water. Like that was just... that. That's such a great and memorable line of a throwaway moment in any other book. Mm-hmm. And the best comparison I can draw is uh, Why the Last Man. Again, because BKV set the goal as restart the human race. But look at how many twists and turns that York had to go through inside adventures to get there. But at the end, we got payoff, and the massive feels a lot like that. See, I hear what you're saying, but I think I would be more inclined to agree with Slim, at least from the pleasure I got from the book when I read it. Thank you. Um, It pains me to say it on record. You're right. 
they never deviated from their mission of find the massive. But the aftermath of Mother Nature flipping out and watching how society has changed and even the science behind some of the uh, storms and the disasters that the Earth felt were more interesting to me than their through line and their mission statement. I loved when they went to Hong Kong and the city wasn't really devastated, but it was empty because seismic activity could topple over all of the buildings and skyscrapers. And I loved when they went to the port and they were trying to trade and he said, hey, we'll pay you. He said, no, you stupid arse. If uh, we're just going to wipe our behinds with your dollars soon, but you know what? We'll trade. I'll give it to some suspect unsuspecting dummy. Mm-hmm. That was cool. And when I read those, it was, all right, great. I, I can get with this. I'm down. And then they went back to the massive and I got bored again. You know what I mean? Who is, so it was almost what, the opposite for you. Just about, yeah. What was, who was the crew on the massive? There was I, Mag, who worked with. Um, uh, who's I the mean, main guy's I mean, name? who who was on right. the massive that is Israel. not present oh, in the capital? I, I don't know that they're ever named. So I'm, yeah, I don't think they are. That's a little weird, right? How we haven't really been introduced to any crew member of the massive. Yeah, I for, like the only thing. I could piece together is that it was mostly like college students and interns and the less hardened group of the ninth wave that wondering, was doing most of the research. I'm wondering if it'll be part of another arc where it's like lost, where they introduce the other wing mm-hmm. of the plane and he like takes like five or six issues to then kudos for the lost reference do their backstory. Thank you. Um, how about the endings of each issue? I thought the endings were really odd, like his cutoff points for the issues. They didn't feel like typical comic book endings. They, they just kind of felt fizzled. like they drifted off, for lack yeah, of a better phrase. It it just feels like the issue like slowed down and it was going to commercial break or something. Mm-hmm. It was, It was an odd vibe, but it was consistent. So it was a, it was a cool tool storytelling tool but i almost couldn't tell reading it in a volume like that i just it was hard to tell when the issue actually ended yeah yeah if not for the recap pages uh i would have no clue where the beginning or ending of any main point was in this volume i mean certainly writing for the trade alleged writing for the alleged trade. no um, it's it's confirmed now, I read these in floppies, so at the end of every single issue, it had the dossiers and it had the handwritten notes. Mm-hmm. Did the collection, collected editions have those too? The dossiers, no, it didn't have, uh, I know it didn't have the dossiers, but it had the... Um, yeah, I think I, I, th- I specifically think that he kept things for print over... Yeah digital i remember that being a thing where i was i was buying it digitally and i was kind of bummed that he was holding off yeah for like i guess maybe it's 50 cents extra in print so he keeps that stuff there and it's not for the digital singles which is a bummer interesting the only only thing the uh the volume had was the three uh eight page stories that was featured in dark horse presents like before the massive premiered which was um, also free a free digital download for a period of time. It might still be. Oh, that's right, yeah. And that's a that I actually forgot about that when I reread the 
the singles, I forgot about that eight pager. And I, and I remember that it kind of tells, uh, Callum's column story mm-hmm. of him on that, um, that oil rig where the, where like everybody died, but him. And I totally forgot about it. So that was a cool little callback that I reread. But I, 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 I hope that Donaldson character comes back on art. Man, he got, that guy was so good. So oh, good. That um, we I'd encourage everybody to read just the first, I don't know, three or four issues because the art is just simply amazing. And then, of course, the colorist, uh, Dave Stewart, mm. to the rescue. Just for an odd little curiosity, I looked at the fine print of the book, and it only credits Brian Wood as the creator or, like, you know, rights reserved and all that stuff. Mm. I was curious if it would be, like, a Brian Wood Donaldson created by but it's just wood mm-hmm. interesting I wonder, if, I wonder if mara is like that or if ming doyle is like co-creator hey one of the things i didn't get about this book is when they were cutting back and forth and i'm specifically looking at issue two right now uh they would use transitional words or i guess reference it as kamchatka what did that mean i don't yeah i don't know what that meant I thought that was a place in the world. I wasn't sure if it was a location, if it was another language, meaning the past or present or whatever. But it was just bugging me. I was trying to figure that out and couldn't. I loved his promotional art that he creates, too, for this book. Like the posters that he designs and draws, the, the maps and stuff. I love that stuff. All those extra goodies. Yeah, there was a... There was a big dmz feel with that too because it's almost like he takes a real picture and then he kind of sketches it up and makes it so the art like the capital looks like a photograph but mm-hmm. art artsy do you think him and hickman get together and high five each other when they're putting together those designs for the for the books and the trade dress oh yeah they're probably bumping behinds <laughs> like hip uh, checking each other kamchatka russian peninsula Known for their vodka. There you have Thank it. You. Vodka. Thank you. Go. The, the amount beam. of detail that they put into this book was astounding. I can't take that away from them. It was. It is impressive. The only thing I'm curious to see, and you know, they're all they all basically make reference to you know, let's keep Ninth Wave together. There's no point breaking it up now. The world needs us now more than ever. But they're not. They haven't. They can't get around to any sort of conservation. They're still trying to piece themselves back together. They're still trying to find the massive. So, and they're still they're not trying to find drinking water at a certain point and food and fuel. So, I'd like to see what if they ever get back to saving the world and what mm-hmm. what that and what that means in this post new world order with no rules. Yeah, that was one of the toughest concepts for me to really wrap my head around and. How I rationalize it was that Callum wants to show the world that just because it's broken doesn't mean it has to be violent. And maybe him saving the world is kind of leading by example and saying that I don't have to raid ports. I don't have to be a pirate. I don't have to kill in order to coexist. But then like an issue four, they become pirates themselves. So... I was kind of lost on that. Yeah, when I was reading the one where um, 
it's not Mag, I don't think. Maybe it is Mag, the one that yeah. they board the ship as like pseudo pirates. Right. Yeah. That one I was actually really kind of like emotionally attached to because I was bummed that they went against everything and were now violent towards these guys. But it totally flipped by the end of the issue and you totally saw Mag's point of view now in mm-hmm. terms of not wanting to be a pirate flat out and then he gets what's his face stitched up in secret because he wanted to keep the the violent portion from away from Callum yeah and Callum's beard is something that I would grow forever and I would always have that beard if I could with the mustache my god beautiful that is beautiful from issues one through three (laughs) yeah specifically (laughs) specifically that beard but uh, we're running out of time we're running over budget at a tape uh, We're not running out of time until Don Garvey's laugh tells me that we are. <laughs> so let's keep talking. I've got more to say about this. <laughs> that we'll have to wait until free comic book day. <laughs> we got your letters. I'm going to open them up. Farrington's going to read them to you. Letters at paperkeg.com. We'll, we will read your letter on the air, live, to tape. Fact. First letter we got is comes coming from at Chris M. Thanks. Hey, Keggers, I'm throwing Batman Year 100 into the ring for consideration for the 100th episode. Mm. It's a great story with Moody Art, and DC is reissuing the trade this week. Additionally, you guys have got to try Valiant's Harbinger. If it wasn't for all new X-Men, I'd say it was the hands-down best hero genre book being published. But you decide for yourselves. Can't wait to hear myself in the letters segment. At Chris M. Thanks. <laughs> See? You uh, you. That is why people write letters. That's the only reason why people listen to podcasts, hear their own name. Uh, Batman 100, that's uh, Mike Mignola, right? No, it's Paul, Paul Pope. Pope. Oh, okay. But Pope it's that, that squat... Yeah, that's the Art, one. It, artistic Batman. I would be down for that, I think. Didn't We're all going to pick it out of a hat. I don't even know why I'm... <laughs> right. I will uh, never I'm, listen to your recommendations I'll see you guys ever later. again. Jesus. I might have bought it, read it, and gave my trade away years ago. So I'd be interested in a reread. The first one got me angry. I could be down for year 100. A lot of books get you angry anymore, Mark. Yeah, really I'm angry. noticing that. You're an angry individual lately. You need to go take a Groupon and get a vacation in Canada. I'm saying, right? And when I'm gone on this vacation with the Groupon, I need to read a book with talking animals. Those don't make me angry. Mask card. (laughs) What else do we get, Mark? Anything good? Next letter is coming from Paul. Hey, guys. I know I already sent in a letter with my suggestions for 100, but I had a thought off of our recent all-ages episode on AC, Princess Volume 1 by Jeremy Whitlock and M. Goodwin. I would love to hear your collective thoughts on this gem. Episode 100 or later, you guys need to read this. So okay. noted. I read the first two issues, and they're fantastic. Wow. Really? Yeah. Really? And this book Very is called good. Princess? Princess. Yes. Pro- no, it's Prince Less. My bad. My bad. Prince Less. There's a lack of Prince. Okay. Uh, this little girl gets put up in a tower to be rescued by a knight by her family. But she's kind of to- like a tomboy, and she escapes. I love it already. Uh, Jonesy loves tomboys. That's just Stone Cold. I love it Everybody already. knows that his entire life, he's just been drawn to them. 
but it's a it's a fun little romp. Legend of Billy Jean. He loves it. <laughs> he loves it. Coal miner's daughter, you know? <laughs> yeah. Just one of the guys. Loves it. <laughs> Thanks, Paul. From Seth, guys, it's been so long, I just want to know what you guys are thinking of this next Avengers movie. Where are your expectations at? Are they equal to or lesser than Slim's prodding anticipation of the Wolverine? Mm-hmm. What about the Fox Marvel movies? Think Mark Millar is going to have any impact on those in any way? Wanted to get our take on things. P.S. The best thing about the video cast is that Farrington's inevitable rage-filled flame-out over the new 52 will be televised. <laughs> Ain't that the truth? The Avengers Avengers 2 is like 10 years out. It's like a decade. Robert Downey Jr. will be in a wheelchair by the time that movie is filmed. Yeah, uh, workable legs by the time that movie comes out. But who knows? I'm, I'm excited for it. We still have Thor to come out. Thor 2. No one's excited about that. It's going to Captain flop. America 2, it's Iron Man 3. And guys, I'm more excited about Man of Steel than anything. That third oh, trailer that looks trailer? so good. That third trailer was magic. Loved it. Yeah, I'll tell you what. Zack Snyder knows how to cut a trailer. I thought the watch his first Watchmen with that Smashing Pumpkin song was like one of the greatest things ever made. Brilliant. And that movie was ooh, ooh. a lot of orange, a lot of boobs, ooh. a lot of orange. I hope I hope Jor-El plays a major role in this film, whether I, in flashback or eats up a chunk of time because Russell Crowe just uh, brings it. He does not phone it in in this film. I hope Kevin Costner does not play a major role. Kevin Costner is not my Paul Kent. He's mine. He's mine. You can have him. Take him. Who is your Paul Kent? Not Kevin Costner. That's not an actor's name. (laughs) What actor actor would play Paul Kent right now in Mark Farrington's Superman, the movie? I would need somebody who's that warm, fatherly type. Give me a couple minutes. By Fireside, I'll have a name. Okay. Charles Dutton. Boom. Done. Seconded. There you go. Get out of here, you stink. Charles Dunn's one of the greatest actors of all time. Good call, Dale. Next letter is from Dragonfro. Sup, peeps? Got a few more suggestions for the 100th ep and or regular book club. Number one, Lex Luthor, Man of Steel. Number two, Green Lantern, Circle of Fire. Three, Spider-Man Perceptions. Four, Daredevil Father. Five, Transformers G.I. Joes from Dreamwave. P.S. Any of you guys interested in buying a used Flyers hat? Found it in the garbage. It's <laughs> <laughs> despicable. Hey, y'all. Despicable email from Dragonfro. Dragonfro, internet high five. Yeah, that was we actually do well done. Lex well Luthor for the old comics podcast. And we loved it. We did do Lex Luthor. I remember Luthor. it being fantastic. And the sequel did not live up to it. There was the a sequel? sequel? The Joker or not one? a sequel, the Joker follow-up. Oh, yeah, that no. was a dud. I think I was the only one who liked that. That was Joker of Steel. dud. Shocker. What else did he have? Dreamwaves, G.I. Joe, Transformers. That's like the Pat Lee era, I think, where everything was kind of anime. Was mm. that the silent issue with... Are we talking in the late 80s? No, we're talking late the 90s. The recent one? Early okay. 2000s. Is that the one where they come back in World War Two? Sure. Yep. Someone. Okay. Thanks for being absolutely <laughs> dismissive of what I had to say. Yep. I'm just gonna check out. It's like they rehearsed that too. Uh, Daredevil Father. Oh yeah, I, I just saw the covers on uh, the Bendis Tumblr, but I never. I don't think I've ever read it. Wasn't that one plagued with lateness, like eleven months in between issues or some such? 
something like that. That was the one that Joe Casada did, wrote and drew bedside while his father was in the hospital, terminally ill, mm. if memory serves. And then he said, Spider-Man Perceptions and Green Lantern Circle of Fire. What storyline is that one, uh, Mark, Circle of Fire? I believe that's the one written by Brian K. Vaughn. It's a Kyle Rayner book. What? And it was basically you find out that his subconscious created this all-powerful villain. And the first thing the guy did was take out the JLA. So Parallax? Gets some is it unusual. Parallax? No, this guy makes Parallax look like a joke. I thought so, Parallax kind of already was a joke. Wasn't it just like fueled by ill intentions or something like that? No, he got retconned <laughs> out in one of Jeff John's, in my opinion, one of the more boneheaded moves that they did. Oh, hashtag bonehead. Wow. Keeps it real. I don't, where, Mark. I don't know where all this rage is coming from. I'm actually in a great mood. <laughs> Although you'd never know it. Last letter is from good old Panooch. Remember when there were standalone fireside episodes? That realization happened today when scrolling through the back issues of the show. It amazes me you guys are nearing 100 episodes. Monumental. Thanks for every minute you all put into this show. I don't mean to gush, but you guys have created a real and international community through your show. For me personally, it has led to writing about comics for two websites on a weekly basis and really becoming a part of the comic book world. I have never been so invested and gotten to know so many people had I not been introduced to Paper Keg. Now on to my question. Last week I was reading Uncanny X-Men and a panel showed very clearly an iPhone. It was revealed to be the phone that triggered the Danger Room sequence and it belonged to Magneto. What is your opinion when you see modern tech in a superhero comic? I know Marvel heroes are meant to exist in the present world, but something feels strange to me about Magneto with an iPhone app for the Danger Room. <laughs> Keep talking. We're all listening. Panooch. Panooch. Uh, first of all, thanks for the super amazing words, Panooch. Yes. Uh, that's, thank you very much. And those standalone firesides. <laughs> I mean, I tech, if you think about that, we've done more than 100 episodes already because of those, probably. Mm-hmm. Do you guys remember the last episodes we recorded in Beth Corto's 400 degree Fahrenheit attic <laughs> of the house she was watching? Mm-hmm. It was tough times. Tough times. Fire, the fireside that did we ever release that fireside, or did no. I edit out a portion of it? You edited out a major portion where we just kind of like poured our heart and souls about ending the show. Yeah, I remember that. I wonder I if cried. I still have that audio. Yeah, that was the audio where we were. The show was ending. We yeah, were it was set, over. We were yeah. acting like the show was over because we thought it was. I mean, yeah, it was. That was game over. There was no jokey. Uh, extended hiatus. <laughs> no. no, 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 no. It was there not. was just let's just end this garbage show that is a pain to do, and that was that. But I I think Magneto using an iPhone. I I prefer them. Yeah, I remember that because they showed distinctly an iPhone screen. I don't like it when they do that. I like it when they just keep it vague, like in movies where they make their own UI and it's kind of timeless. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, I still think Magneto is still kind of a zilch from that Karen Gillan run where he was tied up and thrown in a closet in his suit. Guy's a zero. Guy stinks. Oh he was hogtied and gagged at the mouth, too. He was, he's useless. I remember that. He is that. useless. He's not useless. Stop. He is a villain. He is not supposed to be a hero. These people have such short memories. I mean, I don't want to get wrapped up in continuity. Guy's kind but, of a jerk. 
But Magneto's not a quote unquote villain. He does what he thinks is right. And he has always taken the approach of look. It's like having you, Osama you push Bin me, I'll Laden push you back. on uh, the uncanny X Men. Let's just slow whoa, our roll here. You know? It is, he is a terrorist, Mark. Proven. I got nowhere to go with that. Thank you. Just because he shaves Laden. his head and wears a little fancy white suit doesn't mean he, he's a hero. You know? Whenever just, you're done. You brought up Bin Laden. Bin Laden. I don't really. Well, now we're on some Homeland Security real of a real. I just set off a ping on the on their <laughs> alert system. Now I'm They'll under watch. will be here in three minutes. Hashtag Patriot Act. They're not, they're not taking our videos down because we played ABBA. They're doing it because <laughs> we mentioned bad things on the podcast. Uh, listen, read some Magneto comics in the 90s. He's a murderer just because they retcon some stuff out. You know? People can change. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> in fact, read the arc right before Grant Morrison's new X-Men run. Some bad stuff happened in that book by Magneto. And then Wolverine murders him... In the final issue before New X-Men reboot. Spoilers. Dreams end. Lanel U art, my friends. Lanel U. Thanks for everybody for listening. Episode 100 is coming up. You could win $100 cash. <laughs> See everybody next week. Morning Zoo over here. Columbus. <laughs>
Me and Chris we, we never we never answered the question of uh, what do we think about Mark Millar's involvement, Mark Miller, Mistake. in the Fox movies. Mistake. I don't know. I he's trust like, him. He's a consultant. I don't know what the hell he's going to do there. He's going to spin it. Somebody asked Brian Singer in one interview what impact Mark Miller has had in the process of Days of Future Past, and Singer is like, I've never even talked to him before. <laughs> and uh, Miller went into that? like PR spin world where he, he posted on his message board. It's like, ah, oh, I got a phone call with Brian later today or some such. <laughs> oh, of course he did. He is a he's a wild guy. I want to go hang out and drink a beer with Mark Miller and just hear what he has to say. You would probably wind up dead. <laughs> I would probably I probably get at a consulting gig on the Fox movies. I think that's what I get. Yeah. I'd probably write co writing one of his next books, Secret Service Two co-writer Matt Kalowski. It would be so cool if Fox or Sony lost the rights to their Marvel characters. Then Marvel could pick them back up. Will probably never happen, but hot darn would it be cool. It would hot be. darn. Uh-oh. Drink. Chunzi points out a Mark Farrington uh, phrase. Mm-hmm. That, is that a drinkable that, offense? That is Especially with yeah. his eyes half rolled up into the air because <laughs> Listen to the tape, can't bro. tolerate it. Just show me the tape where I did it before. Oh, God. Just check any tape, and then you'll have it. (laughs) It's like he's my deco. You get used to it after a while. Wow. (laughs) That was inflammatory, correct usage. Do we have an idea of what our next book club is going to be? Do we have any suggestions that we've tossed up? Can we do a Talking Animals book? What's left? I feel like we've done them all. We did Mice Templar, I think we did do them all. We've done it at some point. I know we've had to read it for this show at some point. You're right. Maybe there are no talking animal books left for us to read. What other anthropomorphic books are out there? Huh. Dale, anything? Uh, no, huh? I, I've, I've, I'm done trying. <laughs> I'm, I've, I'm done probably trying to get my Rex in. They get it completely ignored. No. Especially oh, no Spider-Man was your recommendation. Especially the anthropomorphic uh, bo- book I've been trying to get read. What is it? Which was I, what? I want to hear no. it one more time. No, because it's going to probably... This is, this is where you'll end the show with the dial tone. <laughs> as soon as I say the book. <laughs> say the G-damn book's name right now. Uh, it's actually a, uh, a book called Grandville. Beep. <laughs> <laughs> it's uh yeah brian talbot and uh it's an anthropomorphic detective story steampunky kind of victorian i see this is why i've i have completely i've tried about 75 times to get the book read i'm done i'm this is where i i'm going to turn to a different podcast to get it read <laughs> <laughs>